Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I am your host, Andres Oliver, and also your radio engineer as well. I'm very pleased to have Trinity Starnes and Belada Antara to our podcast. Welcome to Exploring Podcast, Exploring Art Podcast. Okay, so um, basically, our uh, case study. Yes, um, our case study is was uh, the Great Eastern Temple, and it's basically uh, based on a, a catalog that was created in a 1986 exhibition in the Japanese. Um, in the Chicago Art Institute. Um, would anyone like to further uh, talk about the Chicago Art Institute? Sure, I can. The Chicago Art Institute is located in Chicago, Illinois. It was founded as both a museum and school for the fine arts in 1879. A critical era in the history of Chicago as civic engineers were devoted to rebuilding the metropolis that had been destroyed by the Great Fire of 1871. So, and the Chicago Art Institute is actually one of the oldest and largest art museums in the United States, and it's recognized for its cultural efforts and popularity among visitors. And the museum hosts an approximate of around 1.5 million people annually. So, its collection is actually recognized by for it uh, by stewarded by 11 cultural departments. It's encyclopedic and includes iconic works such as George Stewart's A Sunday on the Grande Jatte and Pablo Picasso's The Oldest Guitarist, which are very, very famous as well. Yes. Collection nearly with 300,000 works of art is augmented by more than 30 special exhibitions, which are mounted yearly that eliminate aspects of the collection and present cutting edge curatorial and scientific research. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is very interesting. I had no idea about that. That's that's very that's very interesting. Yeah. Definitely. It's actually, I think it's actually like the top three in the US. But for me it's actually in one. <laughs> okay, okay. Especially and, with a lot of this works. Okay, okay, nice, nice. And also when uh, the Chicago Art Institute was holding that, uh, that catalog during their exhibition of Japanese Buddhist art, the catalog called the Great Eastern Temple, it basically was uh, based around explaining the religious views of the period. Yeah. Now, one thing um, I wanted to I kind of point out is um, would people really understand um uh, the works from these catalogs if they were ignorant to buddhism like or just it's specifically japanese buddhism like let's say if someone never really saw the amida meditating through the five kalpa sculpture would they understand like the significance of of meditation in buddhism if they didn't have the catalog with them no they wouldn't i don't think so because i wouldn't <laughs> before reading about this i had no idea how important all of this was or what all of it meant, you know? 
No, I don't think everyone. Uh, I don't think they would actually, and especially with the with the Amida, with the Amida Buddhists and the Afro, with the Afro hair, it's uh like it's it can be a it can be confusing, you know. But, yeah, it's uh, very complicated. <laughs> no, it definitely it definitely is because the whole um thing about uh uh the meditating through the five kalpas, what Amida was doing was that Amida was a Buddha, um, and in Buddhism, there's many Buddhas. Buddha just basically means, um, is another word for the enlightened one. Mm-hmm. But um, Amida specifically uh, was the, the number one Buddha that was obsessed with uh, meditating. Uh, Amida wanted to not just bring human beings and other divine beings into enlightenment, but all conscious beings to full enlightenment. And hence, that was why that uh, sculpture was uh, was sculpted out of a meter like that, because the the hair, the afro growing on his head, like the 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 the, the size and the length of, of the hair growing out like that. It's that huge. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was huge, and it, it represents the concept of the time required to actually uh, achieve that point no. to be exactly. able to get all beings into enlightenment. So, if someone was completely ignorant of Japanese Buddhism um and didn't know anything about it unless they had the catalog there to show them um or at least maybe lived in japan themselves i think they just wouldn't be able to understand what uh that sculpture was like exactly it takes too much research (laughs) you would really have to like dissect it Mm -hmm. and um uh go ahead balal i'm sorry no sorry okay and you know like a lot of people are not familiar with the buddhist time units a kalpa has a variety of, you know, definitions. Though in mm-hmm. this case, of, it will likely be an absurdly long, uh, long length, probably somewhere from uh, 16 million years to 128 trillion years, as you can imagine. So sitting and meditating for even one kalpa would result in a bit of hair growth. Right. So, the Amida's Afro is actually the result of a lengthy, intense meditation session undertaken by Amida. Right. See, that's deep. Mm-hmm. And of and course, with the many statues of the Gokyoshi Amida around Japan, so you can all, you can all. I mean, it, it all, it all explains all of that, you know. Yes, and um, it, it's a, it's a very. Uh, to me, I found this part very interesting of our case study because Amida is the main Buddhism. I mean, is the main Buddha in Buddhism uh, based on meditation? Like, I would say Amida is kind of the more um, spiritual, esoteric form of Buddhism, and mm-hmm. um, and and sh- and and th- this Buddha, in particular, is central uh, in a form of Buddhism called the Pure Hand uh, Path of Buddhism. And basically, like I said, uh, like I stated earlier, it's a very esoteric group of uh, Buddhism, kind of like what the what the Sufis would be considered in Islam. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure. uh, another part of, about this case study is uh, all the Japanese Buddhist art from Tojai. Um, would anyone uh, like to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, like the you see, like the um, when it comes to the Japanese art from Tojai, and especially in the temple. It houses like a lot of them, and it actually houses the bronze Buddha statue, which is the biggest bronze statue in the world. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it, weighs, it weighs 500 tons and it is 60 meters high. 
and the city mm -hmm. of Buda said uh, Verona, Verocana and is flanked by two Bodas uh, Vistavas. <laughs> Sorry, guys, for my pronunciations. Oh, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> so, and you know, like when you enter the temple, like it's it's situated very properly because the sheer scale of the Tadeji is overwhelming when you like when you take a visit inside it as it centers mm -hmm. as its center of the great Buddha hall. So that's where all the Japanese arts are. Yes. And um also what I find um very interesting about Japanese Buddhist art uh from the Tojai was that um the Tojai was actually uh, created um, when Japan was starting to, uh, during the Nara period, which was the eighth century. And during that time period, that was when uh, Japan was actually um, had its golden age in art. And other things right. as well, um, and other things as well too, but primarily um, its golden age of art was the Nara period, which was in um, <laughs> century Japan. Mm -hmm. and during this time period, it was also very important because a lot of, uh, at this point, Buddhism was starting to basically become the formal religion of Japan. Yes, there was there, uh, you know, there was there was a lot of uh, uh, Japanese input and influence that they put in there as well, but it was starting to kind of formulate into uh, becoming the central religion uh, for Japan, and it was also as well starting to spread in China and Korea, but um, a lot of the art at that time in Japan had started gaining this Buddhist influence because of the influence and the growth of the religion in Japan itself. Yes, and for someone that hasn't actually been there, reading that the hand on the statue alone is as tall as a human being really blew my mind. So just imagine that, us compared to a hand. So that yeah. means the statue is huge, <laughs> literally. Power over us. 2.6 million was needed to construct it. Right. And how could they do this at that time? That's so mind blowing. I know that's how really, did they even have the materials? <laughs> it was uh it's very uh it's very awe-inspiring and amazing that all this was done in the eighth century. It was it's truly exactly it's truly remarkable. And yeah, um true. go on ahead, Bala, I'm sorry. Sorry. I think I mean I think why like they all put all that effort in it is because you know like the principal object of worship that it houses is like very very immense you know mm -hmm. yes so they will put all that effort to just make something spectacular very very special right and i know it's special to them as well yeah. and also um uh, for a while um the tojai um itself um, was one of the largest, uh, mostly wooden structures in the world up until the year 1998. There was, of course, other things they had other than wood, wood but uh, they used a lot of wood. And it was one of the largest, uh, mostly wood structures in the world until 1998. And also, I, I believe that that bronze Buddha statue is still the largest uh, bronze Buddha in the entire planet. Mm -hmm. You know, and yes. it's just that so uh, I find that very uh, amazing, like, you know, like um, still throughout all the years, that's still the biggest bronze one in the planet. You know, it's, it's, it's right. Very 
Actually, the the the, the Todeji Temple is still the world's largest wooden building. Oh, uh, the no golden Buddha, though, right? Pardon? Uh, the the um, which the, temple? The the colossal bronze Buddha statue. Yeah, it's it's still, the, it's, still, it's still the where where like warehouses. It still remains the world's largest wooden building. Oh, okay, okay, interesting, interesting. So it is. So not just is it the largest Buddha, <laughs> it's the largest Buddha statue in the world. Wow! Wow, that is that is amazing. That is. And the wooden building has a width of fifty-seven meters, so which is very very big, especially at the time it was built. Yes, I, it's just it's crazy that they did all this back way back then with like the technology that they had. It just it must have taken forever to have accomplished. Definitely. And also, just on another thing to to, to bring us back a little bit, um, would people who were ignorant of Buddhism kind of like understand the importance of uh, Japanese um, art from Tojai? Uh, not really. No, <laughs> definitely not. Yes. I, if I they can't that, understand the religion, they wouldn't understand the art either or the importance of it. Of course, I completely agree on that too. And the thing is that um, also, particular, uh, particularly if they didn't know Japanese Buddhism, they just wouldn't know how important that, that, that all the artwork from the Tojai was because it came from that not a time period where art was at its strongest and and yes, and Buddhism was was kind of like uh, put into not just the specific artwork, but the art, the, the Buddhist artwork was put into their art, their architecture. You know, it was put into um, everything, uh, literally everything, their kitchen utensils or supplies. There's always some sort of uh, little Buddhist artwork that went with it. And I yes. just feel if people who were completely ignorant of Buddhism or just didn't even uh, yeah if they were completely ignorant unless they had the art catalog there to help them they really wouldn't understand what they were seeing exactly most people like me only understand what Buddha is you know fat statue of a guy with a belly you know everyone puts fruit out by um candles incense but nobody really understands everything else that goes along with it <laughs> of course but I just course. have a feeling you know like after seeing all the statues, you know, making them very special with all these fine materials and stuff, like whoever looks, takes a look at them knows that there's something very, very special there. Like there's a very deep meaning to it, you know? Exactly. Even, like, even an ignorant person would know that, but they might not know what the real meaning is, but definitely people will know that there's something like very, very big coming out of it, you know? For sure. Exactly. And um, I want to also uh, talk a little bit um, about a, a very important monk that came about, you know, 400 years after the Nada period. Um, his <laughs> name was uh, Chogun. And uh, Chogun was a, a Japanese monk. Um, I think he started um, at the age of 13 uh, religious practices. And yeah. He went uh, right into it after that. And um, what I find was uh, very important was he was actually tasked with the rebuilding of the Tojai because um, the Tojai was actually destroyed um, at one point because there was a, a national civil war called the Genpai War, which was fought yeah. between uh, two noble families. And um, 
a unfortunately the the Tojai um, suffered a lot of casualties and uh, destruction uh, to itself. So um, this monkey was uh, commissioned basically to uh, rebuild uh, the the temple. Um, yeah. Something that was very um, all right. Going ahead. I'm sorry, Bilal. Going ahead. No, no, no. I was I was saying yes uh, because I was listening to your point because like you were saying. He was uh, commissioned to rebuild the temple because after after the after the war over the next 25 years he was for the repairs of, to the giant Buddha, the hall in which it was housed, and the south gate and the numerous other buildings in the temple complex, as well as he was also being involved in the commissioning of numerous replacement images, and he also continued his civic works, repairing bridges, driving robbers from the mountains and easing the distress of man and beast. So he did, he was actually very, he played a very big role. Yes, and it- Oh, go ahead, Trinity, I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, just to add on to that, it said that he also studied architecture and civil engineering in China, which would explain why he was doing all this building and, you know, helping out with construction at this time. Yep. You know, he was, um, you know, uh, I would definitely say that this, uh, even though he was a, uh, a monk and lived a, a very uh, humble life, he was very much kind of like the, the Renaissance man of Japan, you know, like he was kind of like uh, their Michelangelo and Leonardo's. Exactly. You know, um, he was a monk, he was an artist, he was an architect. He, he, it was amazing all the things that this guy was. And uh, was very, very innovative, a very innovative, very skilled, um, truly uh, a very special person. And um, going to go on, I'm sorry. He was also involved in the repairing of irrigation channels, even at that time. Really? Very, very yeah. Wow, I had no idea about that. That's that's a very interesting point. Yeah. Wow. And um. Another thing, um, what I thought was uh, very interesting about him was at this point, the uh, Buddhism had been well established as Japan's religion. Like 400 years after the Tojai was built, everyone for the most part has become a Buddhist. And Buddhism's uh, 100% um, flows throughout the culture of Japan at this point in time, which was about uh, the 12th century. Um, right. But uh, the thing was that... Um, he felt that a lot of um, the original essence of uh, Buddhism, um, its original Indian roots, had been kind of fell into the wayside for the sake of a lot of Japanese influence so that we can get hold in Japan. And even though, yes, he himself was uh, a Japanese monk, you know, he, he wanted to kind of bring uh, Japan uh, closer to the original Indian roots of Buddhism. But still, of course, keeping a lot of uh, uh, the Japanese flair, so to speak. Yeah. Right. And you know, like he, he, he actually did. Uh, he actually did some writings, because uh, it was one of his writings that he wrote, the uh, Namua Midabutsu Sasejinsu. It's about his works around 1203. It is said to be due to that influence of Kogen that the Cosmos Buddha had his name. Amida Butsu, which is Amida, like the one we talked about previously, that's why it's been came to be used today. So it's all because of that. Like that's one of the biggest influence that's it's used today from his writings. Wow. 
That's wow. That's another very uh, uh, interesting point. I, I, I didn't know about that. Wow. And um, basically, uh, another thing to bring it back a little bit to the point of our case study, if people didn't know anything about Buddhism, particularly Japanese Buddhism, would they know the influence of the, of the sculpture of Chogun himself that they created after he died? Definitely not. I had no idea who Chogun was before doing some research on him. No, uh, I, 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 don't think they would I don't think they would understand. <laughs> I don't think they would understand the importance of it either. I mean, completely um, until uh, I ran into the, this assignment, even I had no idea that this person even existed, you know. Exactly. Um, so if someone was completely ignorant to Buddhism, yeah, if the, unless they had the catalog with them, they wouldn't know. Um, how to uh, deal with that they also just right. wouldn't you know really know like uh you know um you know they, they would have no frame of reference because uh chogun was from almost a thousand years ago and um and also if they're uh, of a western background it'd be another alien element compiled onto that one so yeah if people were completely ignorant to buddhism particularly japanese buddhism i feel uh, they wouldn't understand it at all no, they wouldn't. I agree. But the, the thing is that he he didn't even even though like Buddhism was one of his most important things to focus on, but at least you know, like he did a lot to the community, especially after the war. So maybe uh maybe even though some people might not know him because of the uh when it comes to like Buddhism, well, I think some might might know the statue. Maybe because of all the works he did, you know, trying to fix everything after the war. Naturally, yeah. Okay. Um, I think uh, we're going to end it on that one. I want to thank you for joining us so much today, uh, Bilal uh, and uh, Trinity. I really appreciate it. This concludes uh, Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon. And remember to stay curious.